Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of The Spells We Tell Ourselves. And guess what, guys? It's about Samhain. Halloween. Naturally. So let's dive into this and then hopefully I won't make this a two-hour long episode about how much I love Samhain. Um, There is that danger, so I will try and keep this short and concise and I will do my best, okay? (laughs) Um, so here it goes. Samhain, which we now call Halloween in our modern timeline. And really, I think this is just another attempt of Christians trying to get pagans to convert to Christianity because they did that to every other holiday. So why not this one? Samhain is a fire festival. It's one of the four festivals around the, um, the, the, the pagan wheel. So we have this fire festival. They're quarterly. Samhain is the midpoint between the fall equinox and the winter solstice. This is basically the harvest is done. We're all celebrating that the harvest is over. Um, we're celebrating the the midpoint between the fall equinox and the winter solstice. We're, it's starting to get cold out outside, so we need to have that bonfire in the town square so that way everybody can take a piece of the fire back to their home and put it in their own fireplace when they get there. Now, a way back when, Samhain was celebrated over the course of three days, and during those three days, it was required that you showed up. Like, you had to make yourself known at these festivals to the king or, like, the druids or the higher-ups. Like, whoever it may be, you had to make your presence known. Otherwise, people were going to think that the gods were going to punish the entire village for one person not showing up and one person not honoring them to say thank you for the harvest that they had just picked. So, like, (laughs) it was a big, big deal. These festivals were, like, they were everything. And if you, the, the, the thought was that by not showing up, your punishment was going to be illness or death. And, like, not just you. Like I said, it was the entire town. It was the entire village. Um, and then it, it was also like, like this was a really special time. These were a really special three days. So if you committed a crime or you used your weapons at all, you likely faced a death sentence. Like they took the shit very seriously. And I, I too take Samhain very seriously. Not like that serious, but you know, I don't, I don't do any of the cattle sacrifices that the Druids used to do. Um, and so at these festivals, you would all go into the community. You, there would be a priest who would light a huge bonfire for everybody over the, that was supposed to last for three days. And they did it by using a giant wheel. That wheel is the representation of the sun and the, you know, the wheel of the year and all that. So there was a lot of symbolism here. Um, and then, like I said, you take some of the, the flame home and light it in your own hearth. Um, but like, guys, <laughs> this was a big party, not just the bonfire part of it, but a lot of alcohol 
a lot of food, a lot of mead, a lot of absolute shit show. So it, it was totally just the time of celebrations. The harvest is over. We are done. We did it. It's about to start getting colder. Might as well have a good time now. Um, so the, let's, let's talk a little bit about the religious aspect of this. The belief here is that our world and the spirit world, that veil is really thin during Samhain. So during that three days, it's believed that spirits or fairies could come in to our world and potentially wreak some havoc. There are several Samhain monsters. I, I'm going to list history.com as a reference to this. Um, for this, and then you can go and look at some of these monsters that are cited in here. There's Lady Gwyn, who is a headless woman dressed in white. Um, there is, um, you know, fairies. There are, there's a whole bunch, but you know how we now dress in costumes and our costumes, like, let's be real, if quoting mean girls here, Halloween is the one time that a girl can dress like a slut and not get judged about it, right? That's kind of our costumes nowadays. They're fun. They're playful. They they let us be whatever we want. Back then, the costumes were really, really scary. And the idea was that the scarier the costume, then you would be able to scare off the spirits that were coming into our world. Um, and it was to keep the fairies from kidnapping you and stealing your souls. Um, and that is, that's more of a middle ages kind of tradition. And same with the middle ages traditions, we have our jack-o'-lanterns, which are to scare, again, scare the spirits away from entering your homes. Um, of course we didn't always use pumpkins like we do now. It was generally like turnips or something like that. Um, and eventually it evolved to the pumpkins. I mean, I've seen a couple of squash and turnip types of, um, jack-o'-lanterns, but mostly it's pumpkins nowadays. Um, my favorite tradition for Samhain is the dumb supper. This is another thing that started in the middle ages and basically you, you set out all this food, it's a big feast, and you invite the spirits in to share a meal with you. Um, and then for some people, there's a couple different ways to do this. So for some people, it is a dumb supper in the sense that you start with dessert and then you have your meal afterwards. So you kind of do it in reverse. For other people, you sit down and you have a meal with your ancestors, but you can't talk during this time because your dead relatives can't speak. So why would you speak? That would just be rude. And that's generally the way that I do. My dumb supper is no, ha is no speaking. Um, there's other ways where 
you know, you try and entertain the dead or you just sit down and talk with them. Um, during this time period, the Middle Ages, children could play games with the dead. And then the adults would kind of just be like, oh, hey, this is what happened this year. Um, <clears throat> and then um, a lot of people, including myself, would leave out some cakes or some bread or some wine or other alcohol that your dead relatives may like. I have my great grandmother who is following me around and she requests whiskey all the time. So I'm going to be leaving out whiskey for my great grandmother on Halloween or Samhain. Um, and that's just my family tradition. And during some times, some people, especially back in the middle ages, would leave open doors or windows so that way your dead ancestors to come could come living come in and out and drink some of that whiskey drink some of that eat some of that bread eat some of the cake um whatever granted if you live in a region of the world that gets cold in october like i do you may not be doing that because your heating bill is going to go sky high and with the way oil prices are right now. You probably don't want to do that. Um, and then there are other ways of protecting your home from spirits that wish to do you harm. Of course, we have the jack-o'-lanterns, which I think is what everybody knows about, but there's also using the an apple and cutting the apple in half so that way it shows the seeds in the middle. So you get like this nice star looking thing. So cutting the apple in half and leaving that out in front of your door. Salt is around the doors and windows is also good, but don't put, do not, do not, do not, do not put salt outside because if the wind blows and gets into the soil, it's going to kill everything and nothing is going to be able to grow in your yard. So please do not use salt outside. Put salt on the inside of your windows and doors, please. For the outside, you can use crushed up dried eggshells. Those are also really good for protection. Um, so you grind them up into a nice powder or get them nice and finely crushed and just sprinkle them outside. That will be fine. And eggshells are good for the dirt and good for the ground. So if anybody who composts already knows that you can put eggshells in the compost and it's good for your soil. So eggshells outside, salt inside, okay? Repeat after me, eggshells outside, salt inside. We don't need to kill any ground or kill any soil, okay? <sighs> Sorry, environmental tangent over. <clears throat> and that's another thing with the pumpkins. Please don't throw the pumpkins away. Try and compost the pumpkins or better yet, see if there is a pig farm semi near you um, to see if the farmer wants the pumpkins because the pigs will eat the pumpkins pigs will eat anything, but they especially will like the pumpkins. Um, so find a friend who composts if you don't compost or try and find a farm because I bet the farm either one composts or two, they can use the pumpkin carcass to feed their animals. Um, put throwing away the pumpkins, <laughs> well, throwing away food in general is not good for the environment. So if we can cut back a little bit of waste here, that'd be super cool. That's my environmental hot take. Okay, environmentalism aside, let's talk about trick-or-treating, because how does that even come into play with Samhain? Well, fun fact, trick-or-treat was not really a phrase until the early 1950s in America. 
So let that sink in. Human civilization has been practicing this fire festival since pre-Christian times. But trick or treat was not a thing until a Donald Duck cartoon featuring Huey, Dewey, and Louie, the nephews, made this phrase popular. That is how that happened, guys. (laughs) But the idea of going around asking for food or drink traces back to the Middle Ages also. So villagers, again, they, they dressed up in costume. They were trying to scare away spirits. Um, and they went around to these festivals, even in the Middle Ages. So this, during this time period, the um, idea was that it was more of getting a treat for a trick. So right now we go, oh, well, if you don't do trick or if you don't give me a treat, then I'm going to play a trick on you. When in reality, it used to be people were essentially being like, oh, I'm going to do this fun trick. And then in return, I want you to give me food or alcohol. So that is how that plays in. And then somewhere along the lines, it got flipped around where, well, if you don't want me to play a prank on you, then you better give me candy. Um, and that is essentially how it happened or there, it was more now it's for children. It's for teenagers in some places, um, mostly for young children, I think, but it, it's very much the, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of the, the, the childhood rhyme trick or treat, smell my feet, give me something good to eat. Um, and that that's essentially where what it became in all these years after this tradition was celebrated to its fullest the last topic that i want to talk about is halloween decorations because realistically this practice has not been around for very long um sure there was the jack-o'-lanterns out of turnips but we didn't there wasn't like the the fake skeletons on somebody's porch there wasn't you know, the window decals up in somebody's house. There wasn't, like, all of those lights and the big flashy displays that we have today. It was very much just the jack-o'-lanterns. So now we have all of these things that we do for decorations. Let's start back. Let's start with um, some symbols here. So what are things that we think of when we think of spooky season? There's black cats, right? There's a lot of superstition surrounding black cats. Um, it, it's associated with bad luck. It's associated with witches and familiars. It's associated with the devil. And it's essentially, it was rumored at one point that black cats were a gift from the devil, if you believe that if you believe that the devil is even real. Um, really, it's a, a cat is a cat. So <laughs> um, this is my plug for Adopt, Don't Shop. Make sure you check out your local animal shelter and don't be afraid to get a black cat because realistically it's a cat. Um, and But now with all of that spooky, like 
witch symbolism and the devil symbolism, there's a lot of Halloween decorations that feature black cats, especially black cats with their their hackles raised up and they look like they're hissing and that kind of thing. Um, and that's one of the main decorations that we see. We also see decorations of witches. We see witches on broomsticks. We see um, all sorts of witch things and it's generally, you know, a haggled looking woman with a wart on her nose and green skin for some reason. Um, and it's, the legend basically is that witches could ride on broomsticks and fly and they would fly around on Samhain because the, the veil was thin so they could easily cross between worlds. Whatever. If you believe that sort of thing. Um, I think that there was probably a group of mostly women who just got high and were running around in the woods and having a good time. But that's just my hot take. Um, however, there is some history to show that that may have just been what was going on. It was a group of women who got high off of mushrooms. Um, then, um, we also have <clears throat> more symbolism. We have the skeletons and, you know, the, the raising the dead, sp um, sp superstitions, the making it look like there's a dead person because in our society we are taught to fear death and we are taught to be afraid of what happens once you die. And the, the skeletons kind of symbolize that fear. There's aliens. There's, there's so many other ones. And then there's all the ones that are from like movies and from different folklore and different traditions. I, I went by a house semi-recently that had a, both a Jason and a Freddy out on the front lawn. And then there's another one near where I live that has a Chucky right out on their front steps. And so, like, there's different um, horror movies that people will pull from for Halloween decorations. But it's kind of crazy to think about when reality is we... <laughs> it was not long ago that these Halloween decorations started. It, and now it's like this whole big thing. Lowe's and Halloween, like there, I, there's a Lowe's near me. So that's why I always think of that. And it was like going in, in, I don't know, early September. And there's all these pop-ups of different inflatable or ginormous Halloween decorations for people to buy. And then they're sold out by like the first week of August or not August, October. So it gets competitive now when it's, it's like, okay, how did we go from just, um, jack-o'-lanterns to having crazy comp competition with our neighbors for who has the best Halloween decorations. That I'm also, I'm not really sure of. I'm mostly speculating wildly here. I'm wondering if it was around the same time when trick-or-treat became a phrase in the early 1950s. Because in the Middle Ages, it was called mumming. And like I said, it was mostly that people wanted to get the food or drink so they would do some sort of trick to get the food. Um, it's just crazy how over time all of these traditions in our society, and it's not just Halloween, traditions everywhere 
can evolve and change as the human race continues on. So it'll be interesting to see where Halloween goes next. But, and that is, I stayed at 20 minutes, guys. We did good. So that is my episode on Samhain and Halloween. I hope you all enjoyed it, and I look forward to hearing your feedback in the comments on Instagram. Other than that, you know where to find me. I'm Yogini Witch Libby, and I can't wait to hear from you. Bye-bye.